1: Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.
2: Hi, I'm Billy Munger. Hi, I'm Johnny Herbert.
3: And welcome back to Lift the Lid, the team radio episode this week with monaco coming up we thought we would switch up a little bit so the team radio episode that you're currently listening to is going to go out earlier in the week and later in the week we're going to have our monaco lift the lid preview so check that one out in a few days time but stay with us as we open team radio and answer your questions as we lift the lid we're answering all your questions you know all off the back of what we've done recently mate we've had a a busy few weeks, haven't we, on the pole? Yeah, we have.
2: Yeah, it's been absolutely brilliant, especially the Williams trip. And obviously, and Yeah, Jason, love that. But walking through the museum and seeing all those lovely old pieces of, of engineering,
3: hearing you talk about, you know, your era from the one firsthand and the drives you went up against, you know, Senna, everything like that. Yeah, that was a special Special morning for me. I really
2: enjoyed that one. Yeah. No, I enjoyed that as well. And it was good with James, actually, wasn't it?
3: Yeah, James was on good form. Yeah.
2: And I learned a lot about him just in that very short space of time. Go on. You got any nuggets for us?
3: Anyone who hasn't listened yet, how are you going to tease him into it, mate? What did you learn from James Bowers? The future. The future. How? They're going to sort of put that future to together. He just alluded to it a little bit. And did you buy into that? Do you think he's the right man for the job? that we sat down with oh, for him.
2: I was a bit. I have to say, I was probably a bit skeptical when he first, for, sort of first uh, got sort of appointed that place because you know he's he's a he's a strategist. That's what he did. It's a completely yeah. different scenario than running a whole team. But then when you got to listen to it, because when you listen to how he puts his situation, the Williams situation and how they're going to try and sort of get themselves out of it. It was a very intelligently said, uh, moment, uh, for us listening to it. So, so I, I think it does seem as if he's the right man, uh, for that job at the present time. Of course, there's still a long way to go. He's still got to get the right people involved, which is the one thing he alluded to. And that's, that's something he's got to be able to sort of try and, and, uh, get, get sorted.
3: Yeah, exactly that. And also, we had a, a little venture onto another podcast, onto the Pit Stop podcast. Yeah, that
2: was good stuff, wasn't it? Good, good boys. Uh, me
3: and you took to the simulators, mate, didn't we? We,
2: uh, we don't have to bring that up, Billy. You do not need to bring that up. That is definitely getting brought up straight off the bat, mate. I got home. I got home. I had a chat with my engineer. did a bit of a debrief after the uh, sim work that I had. I had a turbo issue. Yeah.
3: You you did put this in our group chat as well, Johnny. And we <laughs> I'm repeating myself. Oh, my damn it. <laughs> we're, still, we're still not believing it now, mate. You know, it's one all though, guys, because at Williams, we did have a little trip on the simulators and Johnny did edge me out. Oh, That's true. Forgot about that one. You know, don't worry, mate. I'll, I'll help you out. I'll make it one all for us. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to have to have a showdown. So maybe one of you guys at home, one of the listeners, you could come up with how we settle this. That's a good idea. Yes. Do we settle this on the Sims? Do we get onto a proper racetrack? In- in a go-kart of karting some sort. people yeah karting people karting johnny's he's, he's been practicing karting a lot recently so he's uh he's got his motor all <laughs> please, tuned up please, that's exactly please people help me <laughs> give us your ideas would it be interesting yeah, no, to that'd see be good you guys uh think about uh the whole situation and now i guess mate we should get into some questions really
2: let's i'll do the first one shall i yeah kick us off yeah okay right Monaco isn't really a race. Does it deserve to be on the F1 calendar? And that's from Gary. Monaco isn't
3: really a race. I mean, just because there's a limited amount of overtaking doesn't mean that the drivers aren't challenged uh, at every every lap of that race. You know, driving Formula 1 cars around a street circuit with barriers and walls either side of you is is a huge challenge. So I think there's no way it shouldn't
2: be on the calendar. Yeah, I, I think the one way... I think of looking at it, I think for 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 someone who's never driven an F one car anywhere, it's the wow factor of knowing that they're driving a thousand horsepower beasts through the streets, narrow streets uh of of a monogas track that's been set up there. Because it is unbelievable what I've been very fortunate, but it's unbelievable what these guys do yeah. with these cars. But the precision that they have at the same time. Yes. I get it because from the from the race perspective, sometimes is not not the best, or a lot of the time. But it's still the challenge, you know, and still the the ability of these drivers to get the best out of their cars, anyway. And there are, and every now and again, there is a surprise. So hopefully, there is going to be a little bit of a mix up, mix up in the pack. But be wild by the by what these teams, cars, drivers do around these very very narrow streets. It is the most challenging place on
3: earth completely agree with you on that one mate it's a keep yeah, yeah that's, it's a keep 100 percent. 100 uh we got a question from sue and that is if alpha Tower drop devries who should they replace him with and i'm not gonna lie to these questions they're not nice are they you know no nope. it's never nice to talk about a formula one driver who's currently on the grid and think okay when if and when he gets the boot who's gonna fill his spot because we both know the years of commitment and hard work that it takes to even get onto a Formula One grid. So, you yeah. know, it, it's not the situa- not a nice position, this one, but we're here to answer the question, so <laughs> give it our best shot. Yeah. Anyone jumping out at you, mate,
2: for an Alpha AlphaTauri seat? It's a hard situation, isn't it, Billy? Because it's something that we know Helmut Marco and the whole sort of Red Bull driver program is very, very hard on its drivers that's yeah. drivers that didn't get the chance to even get into an f1 car didn't even get a chance from f3 to get into f2 because they got dropped so it's it is a hard environment for those drivers then you can do the just the environment of formula one now it's a hard environment the expectations are very high of all the teams for their drivers to to perform then we go back to red bull as well and helmet is very hard on the drivers and he expects them to do well. And as we've seen historically, if they don't, they will get the boot. Because it's it, they are hard like that. And then you go, okay, who are you going to replace it with? Well, they never go outside, really, do they? Their little sort of programming group yeah. of drivers that they got. Max is probably the exception, I suppose, in, in some respects. But there's one man who's who's there, sitting in the uh, in the in the pick box with his sort of Red Bull kit on. nice smile on his face all the time good or bad and danny rick and the rumors of him making a seat sound that that's sort of the mindset that they they've got i don't know about you but if there's anyone outside that that could possibly jump in in the middle of a season i think that's probably part of things yeah,
3: you know what i was thinking just out there thinking that about you know that normally when you think the red bull you know driver program you think they've got you know a whole heap of drivers right. ready to fill in that that gap but it does feel like at the minute there's that little, there's a bit of a break in the Red Bulls sort of roster, that junior roster where, you know, yeah. there's maybe not anyone that's Formula 1 ready just yet from the junior categories. I mean, you've got someone like Zayn Maloney, you yeah. know. Zayn Maloney He's in F2 this year. Uh, last year in F3, I believe he was runner up in the championship in Formula 3. He's made the step up to F2 this year. I guess he's someone that Red Bull sees some promise in yeah but um it, it does feel like there's a little bit of a patch where you know yeah. there's not there's not an, an absolute excess of junior drivers that are ready for a formula one you've yeah. got the likes of a liam lawson again who's done a little bit of uh testing for for AlphaTauri, so he's he, he's done some young driver tests and bits and pieces i believe he's out in japan at the minute racing over in super formula yeah um, doing a similar sort of route as what a pierre gasly did he went over to japan did the super formula and then ended up in you know, in what was yeah, Ralph
2: Schumacher piece. So yeah, it, it is ago.
3: a it is a good stomping ground, a good level of competition yeah. over there in Japan and super formula. So maybe that's someone they would look at, but I just, again, I just think your, your shouts, the most likely of the bunch, Daniel Ricciardo, he's formula one ready. Okay. He hasn't had the best last couple of seasons, but it does feel like he looks rejuvenated with yeah, a little I break from formula one. He looks full of energy and. To be honest, if he did get the opportunity over Nick DeVries, it would be his last real shot at, you know, a, a crack in Formula One. It would be his last probably his last chance to really prove what he can do behind the wheel, because if it didn't go well for him either, you you couldn't really
2: see where he would slot back into that Formula One field again. Yeah, I think if he did happen to so I think I think it would be, yeah. I think it'd be Danny Rick. I only mid season especially, because they know he's got the experience and, you know, he'll be able to sort of probably push for sure. You can. Keep... Yeah. I agree, mate. Okay. Oh, this is an interesting one. This one. You're going to like this one, Billy. Okay. Forbes recently published that Lewis earned $44 million last year from on track earnings. Is he worth it considering he didn't win a single race in 2022? And that's from Dan. Dan, Dan,
3: Dan, Dan. Oh, that, that's quite that, harsh. That, 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 feels, an answer, so, right? that feels harsh. That does. Now you've. You does, know, people I get have got short memory in the world of sport, you know, it's all about <laughs> who's have redone recently, but come on. I mean, just because he's not won a race last season, it's not like the cars winning a world championship it, with George Russell in it. And he's not winning a race in, at all. The car wasn't up to, up to scratch really last season, you know, okay. George did win, you he know, did win. a race, he, did win. he won <laughs> a race. I'll give you that. But Two races, not two races. Winning- yeah, <laughs> he's not winning a full championship, was he, George? He was, no, he, sure, not. He had glimpses of, you know, race winning potential and he managed to deliver on that. But equally, you know, Lewis at that same weekend in Brazil gave him a really good run for his money and actually brought brought it back. So, you know, <laughs> I, I, you know I do think Lewis is still worth, worth investing the money into because you know not only what he can do in the car, but I think what he provides that team out of the car as well, the experience he's got, the ability for him to develop that car and get it back to the front of the grid. I think yeah. there's a lot of positives that maybe don't show themselves in terms of the end finishing
2: result that he right. still provides. Yeah and, and even out you know even for Formula One itself. You know, yeah. He's a great asset to have as well. But you know if you just do it on the question yourself, you know, is he uh, is he worth it? Yes. And I say yes because I always remember at the center Many years ago, when uh, he always got to the end of the season, he went to Brazil, he stayed away. He sometimes even missed the first test or two and then came back. He was very much about motivation. And going away, it was always a reset for Ayrton. And Ayrton was able to then sort of get himself sort of ready for when the season started. Because he he got all that motivation back. And I think Lewis's character, I I think, as I see it anyway... You know, he wants to have a car that he can win. Like, yeah, but he wants a car that he can win. He knows that's not going to be the case at, at the moment. And I think motivation comes into in, play because George, this is just how I look at it with drive. George is sort of up and coming. Yeah, George is the one they're all talking about. He's motivated because he's motivated to beat Lewis and he's motivated to do the best job he possibly can. And at the present time, I have to say, he's, he's doing that job. And I think Lewis is looking at the car and going, and I think it happened last year think we sort of saw that creeping in as well, where it's like, I've got a chance. I haven't got a chance. My motivation is very, very bad. Now, where that motivation is at the present time is the motivation, I'm going to stick with Mert for the future, or is my motivation either going to stop, or is my motivation I'm going to move somewhere else? Now, all that interferes with what you you do on the track. Yeah. But I still think he's worth it because I still believe if you're given the car he still be able to do the job, but as we've discussed before, Billy, there is going to be a crossover at some point where these young Georges and Charles and Max and Lando and Oscar and all the other guys are are going to be quicker than him. But at the present time, him the car, I think he'll still be able to do the job. It's just he hasn't he hasn't got the car at the moment. Yes, he's uncomfortable with the car as he's, he's come out. Uh, and if you want to say that's an excuse, then I can understand that. Um, but I think at this present time, yes, because I know if you give him the right car, he'll still be able to do the job, would you would George beat him every single time, win a champ? Would, would he win? A, who would win a championship? There you go. Who would win a championship if they had the best car? Would it be George or would it be Lewis?
3: It's, it's so hard to tell, but I, I, I don't know about you, but I do think Lewis would rise to the occasion I, of that's my a championship winning car. I, I think. Like you say, I don't think you can ever expect to get the maximum amount of motivation out of someone like Lewis with the track record he's got in the sport when they're fighting to finish, you know, fifth or sixth, you know, or maybe sneak onto a a podium here and there. I think it's like asking Michael Jordan to, you know, bring his maximum motivation fighting for seventh place in a league rather than, you know, winning championships, you know, you're just never going to get the maximum out of someone like that with, you know, their background. Yeah, Whilst they're not fighting for the biggest prize. So I think until Mercedes have a car that can fight for the biggest prizes, I think you're not going to see the 100% best of Lewis Hamilton. But like you say, if I was going to have to you know, say who's going to win a championship out of the two of them, in, right. if they had a championship winning car, you, you the smart money would still be on Lewis with what he's previously done. George has never been in that situation. We don't know how he'd handle that pressure whether it would be a bit too much for him all of a sudden. I doubt that would be the case, but you just don't know these
2: answers, do you? No, you don't. So it's, it's a difficult one, but I think at the end of the day, yes, I think he's still worth it. He's still good for F1. He's still good yeah. for the themselves. And I have to say probably as well, he's good for George. Yeah. And if that, and if I that agree. alone, if that alone uh, is is a positive thing for us as as British fans of of British drivers, I think that's worth it just on that that, that side, because I think it's just it's a positive for George to have someone like, like Lewis. Lewis has been good to all the British drivers, not even just like him yeah.
3: and Lando, that relationship there, you know, yeah, there you be a lot of mutual respect there. So I think Lewis goes above and beyond in his role of being good to the up-and-coming British drivers, particularly in the field, bringing George along, you know, having a good yeah. relationship with him, not being hostile because George is beating him. as you know, he's he's held a, a really good sense of class with George, even when George got his first win and Lewis hadn't had a win last season, you know, congratulating him, you know, with Lando having a bit of banter, so, you know, showing a lot of mutual respect for him. So I think, yeah, I think there's a, a lot of positives for, for Lewis being in the sport, Mercedes keeping him on, even though he's got a big salary. Uh, he's earned that salary equally with what he's done in previous years.
2: I think so. I don't, you know, I think we only have to go back to Miami, don't we? You know, the latter part of that race in Miami, he drove brilliantly, so we, yeah. it's still there. You know, I've always been a Lewis fan anyway since he's coming to the sport, but I know time is coming to an end because I know that the likes of Jules are going to be for him uh, unbeatable at some point, and that that point is probably going to be sort of you know the next the next couple of years, and then that's it. Jules will be move away uh, like the rest of the guys that i already mentioned before so but at this present time i think he still adds a lot to to mercedes-benz and i think they're very very aware of that yeah interesting
3: question that there's a lot of lot of points that can be made around that one uh, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be back shortly to answer more of your questions <music>
2: Welcome back, everyone. Uh, Billy, uh, what's the next question?
3: Next question we got here is from Jack. Give, and it's, uh, given your great interview with James Bowles, do you think Williams will win again in the next three to five years? Oof. I mean, when we had our chat with James, he kind of alluded to the fact that it was going to be a long process. It was going to take time, this, that, and the other. Three, to, three years seems a bit unrealistic from my point of view. I Agreed. do think it will take longer than that five years you know maybe you know five seasons down the road they could be you know I don't think they'll be the fastest car winning races as such in five years time I think maybe they could you know sneak a win in there like uh, Esteban Ocon did like a Pierre Gasly did you know in one of those hectic races that we get where it's a little bit unpredictable and not the fastest team's going to win but I'm thinking yeah realistically maybe yeah obviously to be fair the only thing to consider as well is the new regulations that come into place you know that that's within a five-year window from where we're at now yeah but yeah i'd say five years maybe they could they could be you know fighting for a victory here and there but it does again it it's always hard to tell in Formula One because it seems a mile off for him right now. But we saw what Aston Martin did from last season to this season. Yeah, if a Williams can pull that out of the bag one year, then all of a sudden that changes things. Yeah, uh, again,
2: I think as we all know, the the team has you know struggled uh, the last good few years. But you know, when you have some refreshing uh, team principle come into into play, and as, as as we discussed a bit earlier on, he's he seemed that he talks to very very well. Um, seems to have the right ideas he's come from the right place to know yeah. how the whole structure he knows uh, how to win a formula run, run yeah I, and I think Billy I think one other thing as well is we, we've seen the, the 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 domination of Mercedes but we've also seen that slight crumbling of that dom- domination to to the situation we find Mercedes in at the present time and he's been part of that journey so hopefully you learn that the ingredients that you lost are actually the ingredients you've got to be able to get. Because I, yeah. I understand when you say a lot of people sort of did move around and leave uh, to other places within certain uh, parts of the of the structure. And it's within that, I think, where we've seen the performance sort of dip down a little bit. And I think James is very, very aware, people, the right people are the most powerful thing. And if you get all those right, clever heads together at the right time, that is where those opportunities will come your way. The problem you always have is the competition. It's the competition are trying to do the same thing. Now, let's just mention one who's trying to get themselves into winning races, winning a world championship. They were trying to get everybody they possibly can to be able to achieve that. That's Aston Martin. That's who you're competing against. So that's where it becomes, you know, that much harder. But if you can sort of try and, and it's they're all trying to do the same thing, I guess. But if you can just get the right young big thing that's going to sort of come along and get him on board, then you know that five year plan, was sort of, you know, that five year sort of um, possibility of winning going for Williams, what Jacks Jacks ass is is then become becomes possible. But it's very very hard. Yes, it's very very hard. But I think they, I think they've got. Some good ingredients, positive ingredients there. Yeah, I agree, man. I agree. Got
3: another question here from Jason. Johnny, want to read that one out? Hang yeah, on well, then. So, Johnny, uh, what was your pre race meal back in the 90s? Oh, good question, Jason. I'm interested. Yeah, big fry up and fish and chips.
2: <laughs> <the forest>. nice. <laughs> Peak physical performance, right there. Uh, indeed, indeed. Indeed. Well, it's very interesting, actually. There's one thing, because there's one man who actually, and I had it in the morning. I don't know about you. In the mornings, I was always struggled to sort of have the right ingredients to give me the energy I needed when I when I went into a qualifying or, or a race, for example. So it was all the wheat, a big sort of stuff that you did, and maybe some muesli stuff and fruit and everything else that you tried to do. But I always felt empty. I never felt I had a stomach that was happy with what I put put inside it. Yeah. And then before a race, normally on a Sunday, there was normally pasta and chicken. That was always nice. one thing I did, but I was always very aware that Asta can make you very, very tired because it's sort of, tr- you know, the body it takes a long time for that to sort of break down. I know there's the positives of it from an energy point of view, but I think it saps more than you actually get. That's more like a night before job, isn't it? Rather than a yes, morning r- Yes. Yes. Yeah. So the other thing I did a little bit later on, I had a steak before a race as well before race race and that on the sunday that's that sort of helped actually that was sort of one really yeah 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 proper proper uh uh, proper proper state from uh shipped in uh straight from japan uh (laughs) (laughs) Uh, 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 and what else did i what i did later i actually did it uh and probably a little bit more when i was uh, after but i did do it sort of the end of my career and there was one other world champion i believe that did a very similar thing uh, which was a good fryer. No, you're joking. And I did that as well, because it just had a bit of a lining that just made me feel better. Are you as well. serious? A- you
3: would have a fryer for somewhere a Grand Prix?
2: In my natty, yeah. Because I always, as I said, I always felt empty. I never felt that I, I had my stomach in a, comfortable situation I don't think fry-up's
3: gonna make you that comfortable in your stomach is it
2: it was just a line it was very early I didn't do it I didn't do it to, uh, to, uh, half an hour before the race Billy but it was okay. a little bit sort of earlier in the morning I probably did I probably did it more on a Saturday but that sort of carried through to to Sunday it's weird everybody's different the muesli type of thing was actually when I was bent with Benetton with Michael Michael did all that muesli stuff and everything I could do I used to heave when I put the muesli in my mouth, oh. I, mean, I
3: it just did not. I'm not work. a muesli fan um, oh, either. Yes. No, it did
2: not work for me. So uh, yeah, uh, mushrooms, beans, uh, yeah, sausage, bacon, sausage, and egg, all that stuff. Yeah, black pudding, not in excess. You black, black pudding ex- well, I'm not black pudding guy. No, no,
3: no, oh no, no, not me. Uh, no, I didn't do toast. Didn't do toast. But it's
2: okay, so I sort chicken, of you know, I chicken, did. meat. Um, Well you'd have chicken on a fryer A little No 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 no. That would be before (laughs) the rape. But the fry up was just a little one in the morning And then I'd have a bit of chicken Or steak And that would sort of get me through Formula one fry up Okay Formula one fry up Yes We're going to have to ask Nigel We'll have to get Nigel on maybe Nigel we need you on We need you on I'm interested now you've mentioned that I feel like nowadays All the
3: drivers eat very similarly I feel like You know I feel like All their nutrition sort of stuff. But everybody's different,
2: Billy. Not everybody's the same. That's why I said the music, I could not do music. And Michael loved it.
3: Maybe when we get our first driver on the pod, mate, first F1 driver, that needs to be
2: a go to question for us is what do you eat before a. I think it's worth a go. I I can think of it another way, Billy. That's probably why I only won three races and no world championship. (laughs) (laughs)
3: <laughs> <laughs> well, but, you know, Lemus is vegan So, you know, obviously he. I wonder what he has in the mornings for breakfast Before a, a Grand Prix, you know Yeah You that's know, a lot of that stuff that you just mentioned there That's on your plate and your little fry-up Is not going to be on his plate
2: <laughs> Maybe but, the mushrooms do in this fry-up It was a great big heap, heap of fatty Well, that's what you think oh. of when you think of a fry-up You don't think yes, of a Small, miniature one You miniature can't
3: one. call it a fry-up then what, We need another name for it Greasy, greasy spoon, a mini greasy spoon <laughs> in a modern <laughs> <mini> greasy spoon. <laughs> when you were in Formula One, mate, just lastly, when you were in Formula One, did you have like proper high quality chefs making you this or was this a, this a, you made it
2: yourself job? It, var- it varied. No, it varied. Yeah. I didn't make it myself, Billy. Come on. Make it I just snapped my fingers and ah, <laughs> <thiever>. <laughs> <laughs> then I got, then I got carried in my throne to the car. Yeah, because <laughs> you couldn't move because you just eat in a fryer. <laughs> there was an element of that. Yes, yeah, so it In the very uh, very early days, yeah, exactly, yeah. And then we had the very very early AI in the car as well. So I actually just sat back and let it do it itself. Yeah, as yeah. well, yeah. <laughs> that's why I was being
3: consistent. I'm trying to remember why I used to have for breakfast. I'm quite a cereal guy, to be honest. I'm quite a wheat to bits
2: is probably my main thing.
3: Yeah, wheat to cocoa pops. You know, it was always three wheat to Need, mix. Three weeks so, Three weeks what were your toppings? Do you have any special toppings? Sorry we've gone on, off on a tangent here Honey Just honey Just honey, just honey. Uh, Okay well you know pretty simple pretty Plain Jane But Very interesting Jane. nonetheless mate That's why I'm been to cry Next question we've got is uh, Oh it's for me It says yeah. Will you take over from Phil Schofield on this morning? Look up look up You're not looking up
2: Look into yeah. my eyes Yeah okay. Look into your eyes And
3: listen to the truth Apparently my thoughts are I couldn't think of anything worse <laughs> <laughs> That's not me Come on Would you really want to see this face at First thing in the morning I'd want you to go on, So I could watch you suffer Yeah exactly <laughs> Johnny wants to see the pain If I go uh, uh, You'd uh, be alright oh, You'd be fine Man, Yeah yeah, I reckon I'd be yeah. alright But <laughs> Probably not something that I'm looking to do anytime soon. Oh, what a disappointment! Uh, that's mate, early. That's early mornings. That is that program, Johnny. Yes, you know, there I'm, you go. You yeah, know, you'd
2: suffer.
0: <laughs> I'd suffer.
3: <laughs> yeah, you're not a morning man. man are you? I walk on with bags under my eyes. I'd be like, morning. Yeah, tell us, you're not a morning man, man are you? Hey? you're a midday no, I'm man. Not really. I'm a bit of a night owl. <laughs> <laughs> I'm far from morning either. Like mornings, mornings yeah. should be banned. So,
2: yeah, you didn't get an answer there No, yeah, the answer was no (laughs) Oh, exactly (laughs) Uh, Right, okay, yeah, this is interesting This is from Sebastian, yeah What do the teams do with all the old cars? Well, we saw what they do
3: with some of them at Williams And they end up in, you know, nice little sort of history and museum setups with all the other cars a lot of the other teams sort of have them in storage somewhere. I've read that McLaren have a lot of their cars in storage. Eventually, some of them go up for yep. auction. They sometimes they sell them off. You know, whether that was to, I believe they sold a few of them off to raise funds when they were in a bit of trouble with themselves as a team to get things back mm-hmm. up and running. But you know, they do a whole heap of things with them, don't they? Sometimes now. they become show
2: cars, demo cars. Yeah. Well, they well they have they have a worth now. You know, they they yeah. they sell for sort of you know proper. Proper money, some of them, that's for sure. And if, if I go back to, as far as I understand, like the 50s, 60s, maybe even the 70s, 80s, I don't really know, but I guess so, possibly. Is a lot of the time, you know, these teams are in very, very small uh, workshops. Very small workshops. You know, you look at the the original Lotus uh, workshop that they had um, in Hethel. It's just a shed. I think it was about two, possibly three sheds. You look at the old Tyrell one, that as well it wasn't just a shed that they used to they used to go into. So there was no space to have those cars. They didn't have another shed sort of out of the back because it had to be quite a big shed to sort of put the whole sort of seasons uh, used goods, you know, stacking it up and everything else. They didn't do. I think a lot of the time they just they actually scrapped them. No, yeah, I think a lot of them got scrapped very early on. And I was interested. I was a classic Lotus at the weekend and. Where Colin lived, there's a piggery. And in that piggery, there was a load of old cars that were just left for many, many years that Colin and, and Hazel, his, his wife, basically just left. But there were spares. There was so no. much stuff. Can you imagine if he just
3: rocked up to a farm and ended up picking up a classic Formula 1 car or bits of it? Yeah.
2: And I get, that's, that's a rare thing to do. So for Clive Jackman, who now runs classic lotus that was beautiful because he was able to go in there and they may be some someone who came in who i don't know just 72 just for example and needed an upright or something and there was a good chance that they actually had it sort of stuffed in the big room and that's but that's lovely because it doesn't happen very often i think a lot of the ulterior stuff i don't think there's much stuff because a lot of it just got binned because it all just takes up and took up so much space. And you speak about now, we've got the museum in, in Williams, but the the McLarens of the world, they have sort of their cars stored. It's just a very different, what storage, splitting that storage back in the 60s and 70s, there was none of that. So nowadays, yes, they definitely do try and keep the cars, got a worth, as I, as I said before. And it's lovely that we have that chance of seeing those cars that are probably not so old now. You know, going back to Lewis's car, for example, you know, it's, it's yeah. 2007, so it's not, it's not very old, the first one that he, that he drove. But that will be there for the rest of time. Yeah, for years and years. And the A lot of cars from the old days that don't exist. There's very, very few that. I know, like, you know, there's a couple of Sterling Moss cars that are about, but there's not many. There's not many of those era. Of cars that are, st- that are still with us. Yeah.
3: I mean, I know how much storage is needed because my dad, we live on a, a bit of our farm ourselves, and one of the sheds is to dad's little garage, and he's got all my old go karts yeah. and engines and tires and stuff. Uh, and I know how much that takes up. And that's just little, you know, <laughs> just me and my dad from our go kart days from a few years, let alone a yeah. Formula One team with proper cars, spare bits, you know, front wings, rear wings. I can imagine, yeah, it would be absolute carnage if you tried to stuff that all in there. In a shed setup like they used to have back in the day, so yeah, I can I can understand now why they've got big storage units and they sell off some cars just to clear some room. Yeah,
2: exactly. Again, selling cars back in sort of the 60s, 70s, 80s, it wasn't a thing. It wasn't wasn't really a dumb a dumb thing. When nowadays there is there is a market. Yeah, I reckon there'd be a f- worth a few
3: quid if you had bought a few of those old school. Yeah, the one stu- car
2: I was only thinking about Got my helmet on and going as fast as I could. I never thought about. At the end of the year, well, yeah, in my contract, I'll well, have a car. Yeah, Oh, part of oh, that. that's a bit all right. You know, I think Jean Anessi did it. Ferrari's got a. I think he's got his car. He drove there and with with a, a V twelve in the back. We have a V twelve in the back. Yeah, and, yeah. has got. I think he's got a winery down in the south of France. I think he glows the field with it every now and again. No, <laughs> <laughs> that's brilliant. So, but there's not many drivers that have got cars as far as like Damon Neal, I don't. Damon never, never did it as well. So yeah things i sort of was like a missed opportunity Damn. now oh, missed opportunity yeah the only thing i've got from a car i've got a steering wheel i've got in front of me i've got an active suspension damper uh, and then i've got a wing wing end plate from my from my stewart car that uh that jackie gave me after winning the race in 99 so so and that's sort of it i haven't really got many bits of, of anything <laughs> Never thought of it. Never thought of it. Never thought of it. Sadly, so yeah. So they do store them nowadays, right?
3: Next question we've got is from Dylan, and I think this is the last one we've got. Uh, yeah. And it says, "When was the last time you saw Michael Schumacher? Will we ever see him again?" Oh, yeah. So I'm assuming that's more aimed towards you, Johnny. So yeah. When was the last time you really had a chat with Michael or saw him in a paddock or outside of
2: Formula One? Yeah, it's a, it's a difficult one because Michael was sort of quite a private man anyway. Yeah. And when he was racing, you know, he didn't, you know, there wasn't, a, do I actually remember going out to dinner with him? No, I don't think there was that type of type of relationship that we had. But um, uh, I drove his car at Goodwood, the last car he drove, the Mercedes Benz. That was the last time I did something where Michael would sat, obviously in that seat. Um, yeah. As far as when I last... Saw him. I think it was probably about six months. I think it was just an event I was at six months before he had his, had his skiing accident. Yeah, but he was—he was he all. Was, oh, I have to say, although we—I said we didn't go out to dinner when we were when we were racing together. He was always very friendly initially. I I'd actually one occasion I do remember being the steward in Malaysia. I think it was, and it completely blanked me <laughs> when he walked into the driver's briefing. I think it was. But then I remember seeing him after that, and he was absolute, absolutely absolutely fine. Probably had other things on his mind for sure, but. Yeah, very intense man. Um, it's very sad with the situation. Obviously, we find yeah at the, at the present time. I hope, I hope, and I I have no idea with with the situation that that is in a, yeah. the, the family. Keep it very, very uh, private, yeah. private and close to close to heart. And I hope you know science is able to sort of you know allow him to turn up. Would it be wonderful at a, at a at a Grand Prix? Yeah let's all hope so fingers crossed yeah i
3: think that's where we where we're at with that situation with michael aren't we so we know how you know the family have kept it private for a long long time and we hope indeed. that he's comfortable and yes. that yeah if we saw him in a paddock that would be unbelievable that'd be wonderful um, yeah you know, equally it's not our our business is it so no nope, indeed yeah is. just send our best wishes in in regards to that one yeah again Thanks to everyone who sent in questions on the team radio episode. There were some me. really good ones. I particularly liked, you know, Johnny's pre-race meal talking yeah. about his fry-up situation, <laughs> um, along with a few others. Yeah, there were some good ones in there. I
2: enjoyed that, mate. Yeah, it was really good. Yes, it, no, it's it's nice because it just gives an opportunity for everybody to ask something that you'd never have that chance to to ask. Yeah,
3: we're we're here to <laughs> be
2: throwing questions at. But do throw them in. You know, as wacky as you want. You know, and whatever information you want to try and get out of this, as far as when we were driving, you know, we're more more than willing to to talk about it. Yeah, hundred percent. Well, thanks again to everyone
3: who's sent in questions, and uh, yeah, we'll be back next week for more of a team radio
2: episode. So uh, yeah, get your questions in for then. So that's the lift the lid team radio episode, and of course, we'll be back with our Monaco preview, so see you then. Until then, it's goodbye from me. And it's goodbye from me. All right, take care, guys. Cheers, bye. This has been a Soapbox London and SBX Studios production. Our executive producers were Rowan Wilkinson and Andy Bell.